please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Treasy. Hey, hey, it's Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. And we're the kind of movie critics. I don't know what the fuck that was. Bro. That was by far my favorite like version of you trying to find something cool to say. I, well, I will, I'll, I'll take that. I will take that. That doesn't it was, mean do it again. Right. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> but um, Yeah, man. Uh, what else is new? What are we watching? Yeah, what are we watching? Well, first of all, I'm sorry. Oh, nobody asked, but I'm so tanned because I came back from fucking Wonderland, DJ Jazzy Jeff's house, playlist retreat. Just wanted to hit the stunt button real quick. So that's no, why we've been that. gone. We, we gave you a shout out on it. Well, me. I gave you a shout out on Instagram. Oh, I was he's like, rubbing his collarbones. It's I'm, really I'm weird. Right now. Yeah, it's he's like, like rubbing like, between like, his shoulders. He's like his, stroking his, his collarbones. This is my Very ego. Right here is my ego. Right here. I'm stroking it. That's what happened. Corey, you missed out. Cause you're whack. I I had some things I need to take care of. Unfortunately, yeah. for the eighth time in a row, I could not go. None of it was more important than Jeff. Shout out to DJ nah, Jazzy Corey Jeff. Had some important shit to do. Like, <laughs> that, that doesn't hold a candle. Mm-hmm. Damn, fucking... that's fucked up. Corey just had a, a good life accomplishment, which we won't share on air. But which is dope, by the way. Yeah, super it's dope. dope. Uh, it's that's just very dope. untimely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just at the wrong fucking time. That's all. Well, I mean, he's the boss now, so he can yeah. he can go yeah. next year. Yeah. Tony Danza. Tony, yeah. You're the boss, get it? Tony. Why was he called the boss on, on the it, show? It was who's the boss, whether it, she, he worked for her, but she was the boss, but he bossed her around. So like, oh, I never, I never really watched who's the boss. Yeah, me neither. But. You don't like Alyssa Milano? Oh, no, we love Alyssa Milano. Oh, I, like I was about to say, I'm a woman, and like, yeah, but I think Alyssa I was, Milano's nice to look at. Yeah. I know, but I think I was six when the show was around, yeah, so, I, you know, my balls no, weren't see, working see him yet. Trying to play us? See him trying to play us? Well, I didn't watch it either, but it's not, oh. it's just, be, it just wasn't. My, you know, it just wasn't on my radar. I watched I Charmed. It. You watched Charmed, okay? Yeah, they're coming Charmed. out with a new Charmed. I hate Charmed that fucking too. show so much. Yeah, Why would... it's, it's Latinas on this yeah, show Latina now. Yeah, Latina Charmed. Wow, that's funny that you would admit that you watched Charmed though. Because wasn't it like I watched a lot of TV? <laughs> it it stayed to do on for a long time. On too. TNT, Man, yeah. you watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer too. I actually didn't watch that much Buffy. I watched a lot of Angel though. I love Angel. <laughs> I cool. I dated a girl a for a while in college, and she loved Charm. And I'm talking DVD box sets, the wow. whole thing. And I hated every second of that every show. Second, yeah, because we would watch it like every night. It's the same thing every fucking episode. Right. It's the same shit. It's the same show. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know a bunch of people that used to watch Dawson's Creek, but I never really heard the Charm thing. But no. Dawson's no, Creek. No. Not I, saying I, I they're like Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't into it either. I wasn't into it either. Um, but fuck all that. That's all '90s talk. <laughs> um, any good movies? Have we been watching anything? Seen anything? I saw Mission Impossible. It was pretty good. How was that? It was pretty good. If I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, you know, it's a summer blockbuster. But uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, it a lot, actually. This one seems like it got the best marketing. Like there was a lot going on. There was a mm-hmm. lot of like really just feeding off what Mission Impossible is and yeah. trying to draw people into the experience. and Yeah, because I think now it, it's on autopilot mm-hmm. a little bit. And I, they've really crammed that into your head now that, like, he does these crazy stunts. Right. Like, he's be he's like, you know, how like, eventually Jackie Chan kind of got that kind of notoriety. Right. I think that that's what's part of the marketing now is that he does these ridiculous things. But I think so. it's effective, though. Yeah, it's very effective. It's very effective about Tom Cruise. Well, uh, uh, let's take bets. What, uh, which number do we think he's going to crap out at and, and hand it over? Oh, 
I think he'll do two more. <laughs> I think he could do seven. Yeah, I think he'll do seven. Seven, seven more? No. No, not seven more. I think seven would be the last one. So that was six that just came out. I think yeah. that was six. Yeah. I think he'll do seven, and I think eight he'll have a more scaled back role, maybe. Or, or he could come back like 10 years later, like as an old Mission Impossible type God, of He'll be like, like 65. I <laughs> think he could do it. 56 yeah. now, in his last And one. then is he going to graduate into sort of like the M role, the way M is for James Bond? Is, or is it Q? Q? Who's the old lady? Judy yeah. Dench. It was um, M. Yeah. Is he going to graduate into more of that kind of character? Well, he Alec could, Baldwin he, is that character in this one. Right. He could is be he, the secretary. He, he could turn into yeah, the he secretary. Could. Yeah. He could. So he's kind of like green lighting the missions. Um, my thing is, um, like in reference to Mission Impossible, at this point, do they actually have to have a pitch meeting, or do they just say, "Hey, turn in the script, and here's the money"? Like, at, at, well, like, does he actually I mean, have to sit down and pitch the story anymore? To I him? guess what's interesting is I think uh, Christopher McQuarrie, the guy who directed it, yeah. he talked about how he kind of reverse engineers the movie. Okay, where it's like Tom Cruise would be like, "Okay, I want to jump out of a plane and have me like." try to save a guy and I want this all to be in one take or something like that or I want to be flying a helicopter and try to hit another helicopter with a helicopter and jump out that helicopter yeah. and then Christopher McCarthy be like alright cool, cool cool man and then he'll just like write a script, <laughs> write a script that can, around that, <laughs> that write a, and he's such a great writer that he could like fit all this stuff in and kind yeah. of make it make sense nah, he's a dope writer he's, yeah. we have usual suspects because and this is the first one that they they broke the mold of like they use the same director twice. Mm-hmm. They it's a direct sequel to the previous. Whereas before, every movie kind of oh. wipe it would wipe the slate kind of clean a little bit. I didn't yeah. know that. I think yeah. um, I think he wrote some of four. I know Brad Bird directed four, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. I think I know he did five and six, and mm-hmm. I think he wrote some of four. Oh no, he wrote all of four, and he might have did some something with three or something like well, that. Well, I also know that he. I think he also directed Jack Reacher, the first yeah, one. Yeah, he did, which was so, good. Jack Reacher two though. Oh, oh that was terrible. It was entertaining, but that first Jack Reacher Jack was, was popping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, him. So it seems like him and Chris McQuarrie probably have the best working relationship so far. Yeah. That that Cruz has had. Out yeah. Of his plus, um, number four made like a shit ton of money. Like it was an insane amount of money. Oh, the number four. I, yeah, it, so I do remember that being kind of crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, do you? But like to the, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure at this point, Tom Cruise and whatever his production company's call has like a first look deal or whatever, uh, an all in production deal with who is it? Paramount or is it Sony? Who distributes? I think it's Paramount. So yeah. you know, you got a first look deal with them or whatever your situation is. So it's like, do you even have to pitch at this point? Like, I don't really know how those first look deals work. If it's just they get the first right of refusal. Or anything that you come up with is theirs. I don't know how that kind of works, but um, but it, it just seems like yeah, the franchise. Like even if if number six lost money, like mm-hmm. do you, it, it, does that mean seven's not getting green lit, or they just like oh fuck it, we took a loss there, we'll jump right back into eight. I think Paramount needs every check they could get. Really, really at <laughs> yeah. this point, I think everybody but Disney kind of needs every check they could get. Yeah, that's kind of true. Well, Paramount just opened up that they just started that um network, Paramount Network. They bought Spike TV. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They had a network before though. What, what? What was their network? Yeah. Oh, UPM was Paramount. United Paramount Network. I didn't know. I never knew. Well, that. I never knew that. Yeah. I, used, I remember. <laughs> uh, what was it? Um. Little brother had the whole skit about UPN, but it was like UBN. Right. It was like you black niggas that work. <laughs> yeah, right. but UPN and CW yeah. like kind of came around at the same time. No, right. UPN turned. No, into no, 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 not CW. WB. WB. Warner Brothers WB. had it, so, and they both like 
like really kicked off their networks by a lot of like black programming and then mm-hmm. once they were able to introduce some more mainstream thing like they kicked your black ass off the TV right now yeah. sorry about that but they're they're yeah. both gone now, right? There's no more WB. No. I, yeah, I don't think so. What, so is, it has morphed into UPN? Is UPN still a thing? No, no. UPN is now CW. Okay, so CW does does exist. No, WB. I said Warner Brothers had a, had a <sighs> network, and UPN yeah. had a network at the same time. Right. And I think like UPN, somebody else had it, and then it became the CW. Oh, mm. that's 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 so far over my. Was fucking it WGN? Head. I don't remember that. Or is that what happened to, to many it was, But it was UPN and WB, and then they merged to CW, I think, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. So. All we yeah. know is they're not around. I just, I just, uh, Paramount Network the game exists. Was on. CW <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah, it was on UPN at first, and then CW, yeah. 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 So, well, Paramount Network, yeah, they, I know they bought Spike TV, and now it's an official Paramount Network. The streaming service and everything, um, and, and and that's yeah. and that's where the Trayvon Martin documentary is at. Mm-hmm. Um, this new documentary that just came out about that's Paul right Walker. About BET the same the same time, yeah. Yeah, maybe some sort of weird partnership going on. Jay-Z, or no, Jay Z, Jay Z. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paramount probably gets the first run, and then they probably slide it. Come on at the same time. It comes on at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's well, I watch it streaming anyway. So, and then um, um, my, one of my favorite shows is on TV right now, Yellowstone. Is on Paramount now. Yo, Yellowstone is really good, bro. Oh uh, yeah, I really gotta watch that because I like I like the writer. Oh yeah, Ted, this is pro- this is by f- this makes usage of everything that you like about Taylor Sheridan. It makes yeah. it, it it makes complete use of it, and it's one hour every fucking week, bro. Like this is honestly, this is one of the best like television experiences that I've ever had happening right now. And it's like a western. It's like the perfect role for Kevin Costner. Like, there's a yeah. lot going on in this. Shit. It speaks to, you know, the it's he's he seems like the only person that's really speaking to like the whole American Indian, you yeah. know, Midwest sort of landscape. Just that forgotten America, you know, the cowboy, mm-hmm. the cowboys and Indians, basically. That's that's basically what he's speaking to in that particular situation. That that part of Middle America that we don't talk about um, in cinema, and he's just. You know, he probably grew up on Sergio Leone movies and watching Bonanza and all that other shit yeah. and just puts it all in the Yellowstone. This is a really good show. You would like it. So is it kind of like that other show you really like where it's like the family and the Florida Keys? Ozark? No. No, that's uh, Bloodline. Bloodline. Um, well, that, that's over. N- yeah. No. No, no, no. Yes but and it's no. A, it's a family, though, that in like a rich kind of family in the Yellowstone Park or something. Right. It's a family. But it, but the, the only thing is, well, so far, they so Bloodline was really like, it was really on the backbone of like uh, them trying to cover up a murder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The murder of one of the kids. You know what the I'm siblings, saying? Yeah. One of the siblings. This This is like a dysfunctional family, but it's not rooted in the d- dysfunctionality of the family. It's about this. The dysfunctionality of this family, but it's also the the main context is this family is the richest family in Montana, and they basically own damn near all of Montana, like a you know a ranching family, and it's about how like capitalism, like people are trying to take his land away, and you know his like his son is his lawyer, his daughter is like his pit bull, you know he has another son that like he's he's a fucking cowboy. It's just like how this rich cowboy is trying to stop the universe or the world from encroaching on his land. That's pretty ironic. That's very ironic. And that's, yeah. that's, it's part of it. That's part of it. Cause, cause one of the guys that's trying to take the land is 
an American born American, you know, he's an American Indian. Yeah. He's from that, he's from a Native American descent. And he he's making it known, I'm coming for your shit because white people took our shit. Like this land that's yours is really mine. And I'm about to outsmart you and get my shit. I already went through the system. I got I got master's degrees and doctorates from all these. I'm like I'm very bad well at that at all. It's dope. And and that's what I like about Taylor Sheridan is that like you know, obviously, he he grew up with some remnants of this. He's probably a cowboy himself, but he is actually very self aware and understands what he's representing. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's really showing how that has affect how history has an effect on that. You know, and yeah. and and it's just a conversation he's having. That conversation that people need to have about certain shit, and he's doing it through film and television. It's really dope. It's a great show, Martin. You'll yeah, love I, it. I, I definitely got to watch that. Yeah. I watched some wild shit on Netflix. What's that? I watched this Kevin Smith, like, low-budget movie called Tusk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, I wanted to see that. That was the movie that he, the only reason why he made it, it is because- It was a story on his podcast. Like, it was podcast. a bit. And then they were like, he put it on, like, Twitter and was like, if you want to see it. Walrus, like, yes. Yeah. Say Walrus, Wal- no, or Walrus, yes. Yeah, and he got more yeses than nos and decided to make it. But yo, like, so the guy there's the there's a character actor. Well, I don't want to call him a character actor because that's really what people say when they Michael mean, Parks you know, is it? Yes. Yeah. So he's he's, dope. he's I think he passed away. Um, Did he? I know he was in, he was the main antagonist in Red State. I think yeah. he was, and he's in like Kill Bill, mm-hmm. and like he is amazing. He's dope. But he and he kills this, like he really kills it. He's just really creepy, and it's Justin Long is like the protagonist, and then like randomly, like Haley Joel Osment is in it. Mm-hmm. So strange. Yeah, that was but his comeback movie, I think. No. Yeah, I think that was his, his comeback movie. He made a movie. Sex Ed was his comeback. Oh, okay. Well, I, didn't my bad. Not very I, didn't good. I didn't know he was back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, last, the last big studio picture I saw him in was the Entourage movie. Woo. So, but I'll go um, with AI. Donnie Je- Don- Johnny Depp is randomly. The last time I saw uh, was no, Haley Joel Osment. No, was he's AI. a grown man oh, wow. in the movies yeah. we're talking about. But yeah. um, Johnny Depp is randomly in this movie too. But it's about this podcaster um, played by Justin Long who um, goes to get a story about a kid and it doesn't work out. And he ends up like trying to hunt for a story and like finds one randomly. Mm. Ends up in like a stupid situation, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say, if you watch this shit, I'm like, this shit only happened to a white person because <laughs> what the fuck? But, right. But yeah, like I, I just would never be in that situation. But it is, it takes a turn, and I'm just like, at a certain point, you're like, what the fuck am I watching? But, Doesn't he like turn him into a walrus? Like he starts yeah. like suturing. Yeah, but you just into... ruined it. Well, no, I, I think I think that was that no, was it was. He in was the, like, yeah, the trailer, <laughs> really. Hey, we, I don't wa- know. we just watched a movie where people turn into horses. Yeah. So <laughs> but I'm no, not really it's like, shocked anymore. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, it's different. It's very gruesome. And like, I I like that I went into the movie not knowing what was going on. And then he starts talking about like, I, well, it's still interesting to know why he turns into a walrus. Right. And we did tell you exactly what happens. But like. I mean, for Christ's sakes, the dude said walrus, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they called the movie well, Tusk. You, you know, the guy's like. Obsessed with walruses, but right. you don't exactly understand like what's gonna happen. Right. So yeah, That's but the, the the ending's fucked up too. But like, if you are a person who likes weird shit like me, check out Tusk on Netflix. 
you'll just 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 suspend disbelief and watch mm-hmm. that shit. You'll just be like, what the fuck? I, it's it's very satisfying to watch. I, I would say make it a combo pack. If you watch Tusk and if Red State is still on Netflix, turn around and watch that too because that seems to, it seems to be Kevin Smith's dark period. Like yeah. he's making these dark films. I also watched um, an older like uh, Denny Villeneuve film called Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I yeah. really, really dope. loved that. Yeah. And I had to watch it twice mm-hmm. um, just because I figured out what was going on at the end of it mm. when, when I watched it the first time. Okay. And so then like once I figured that out, I was like, ha, huh, let me watch it again to see what I catch. And there's right. so much more that I caught. But basically... The movie is about a man who encounters uh, his doppelganger, mm-hmm. um, and that's what the movie's about, but that's not really what's going on. It's right. a much deeper meaning, but very good. Denny has yet to disappoint, so. Uh, he's batting a, a thousand, at least for American films, and, I, and I, I don't know if I would consider Enemy American, because I think he produced that in Canada. But I I I say it's supposed to be America. So yeah, I say, I say it's American. Right. Um, I'm gonna North tell American you, at least. Shout out to Sea Tree. He put me on to I think the movie that he did right before he did uh, Prisoner, and it was this movie called Incendies. That's the one that came out before Prisoner. Yes, it okay. came out. Yo, super dope. Is it in English? Mm, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. No, I think it's subtitled because it's in French. I think it's in French, but it's okay. Like it, it's so good, I don't even remember if it was subtitled. Can we discuss how because of Martin now I watch TV with the fucking subtitles yeah, on me in too. English? And it's and you and you and catch, I catch a lot so shit. much more of the dialogue. However, I'm still too much of a fuck to watch something with actual subtitles. Like it's so much that. of a chore. There's so much good oh, shit man. out there. It's so much like, of a chore. It's just gotta be good if I'm gonna watch it with subtitles. That's my thing. Like don't have me reading a fucking movie that sucks. <laughs> Right. That's yeah. real. Well, no, because when it's in English, I'm catching the dialogue, but I still hear it. Mm-hmm. So, like, when it's not in English, I really have to fucking pay attention yeah, speed to read. And then, yeah. to yes, yeah, speed read, you got to pay attention. Like, don't let it be an Asian movie because they are, it's a tonal language. So, I can't really tell if they're angry or not when they're talking. Right. I'm just like, fuck. Right. Yeah. And send these, bro. I have no problems with this. I'm excited for Dune. Like, yeah. Denny is that dude. Yeah. I, I Yeah, he's, he's, he's. Yeah, I, I don't know how to classify, but he's like kind of part of this new wave of like craftsmen that I'm. I think he's, you know, he's really going to get cinema back on a, to a certain track. You know what I mean? Where people are really like raising the level of competitiveness. I feel like Christopher Nolan yeah. raised the level of competitiveness, absolutely. And I feel like Denny's going to be like the next wave of that. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, I just want to say I probably had like the best viewing experience with Mission Impossible uh, Six. Mm. Uh, like ever in life, I went to uh, New York and I went to this movie theater called IPIC. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were stunting on us with your movie uh, theater yeah, the, pictures the tick, in the yo, group chat. The, t- the tickets are like thirty dollars, which is wild. Wow! But um, basically, anyway. you get like a soundproof booth with like two people, right? Ooh. And you get a cup holder, you get a seat that reclines. Or a cup get, holder, don't tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get like a blanket, you get a pillow. Like I they want you to watch real, the movie, I be sleep. Yeah, yo. they want you yo, to I get actually two almost tickets. fell asleep on Mission Impossible. Like it You're was, so it was wild. But the only thing they don't give you is like a straw because I guess they're like <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> they're, of what they're like. Like I guess it's New York, so people are more like conscious of like environmentalism and like how straws might be like destroying. You know like, that's asinine, right? Because they can make biodegradable straws that are just yeah, like plastic, could. and you can't tell the <laughs> difference. They just are saving money on top of like right. 
Because what is, what is that soundproofing made out of? Aha! <laughs> in that cup holder. Yeah. <laughs> well, those probably won't end up in the ocean, but no. oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an amaz- amazing experience. I'd probably never do it again because it's like a thirty dollar ticket. But dog, uh, yes, yo, it sounds like their business model is they're trying to do everything to make you fall asleep so you have to see the movie twice. <laughs> That's Maybe. what it really sounds like their business model. But is. apparently, like my cousin, she lives in Jersey or whatever. She was like, "That's where I like the famous people go." Like she said, she saw Fat Joe like seeing a movie. Yo, let's talk about Fat Joe in this fucking preview for this whack ass Kevin Hart <laughs> movie. I actually do want to see it because I think that yeah. Tiffany Haddish is probably funny in it. Yeah, and I, it's her doing something other than being like hood, the so, hood girl. So, but not really though. <laughs> yeah, I was just, no, she's like no, she's not playing hood girl. She's playing black ass teacher, and those are two very different things. So many nuances in our culture. So yeah, you're right. And I and listen, I appreciate Tiffany Haddish a lot, but it it, it, it kind of confirms something that I said when we did the girls trip episode. Mm-hmm. Which is I don't know if I'm ready to watch a movie with her being a lead yet. Like I need just a, I need to keep being warmed into it. Warmed That's what into they're doing. They're, they're warming you into it with a Kevin Hart movie. Yeah. She's the lead in a Tyler Perry movie, right? Right. I, I was so, about to say yeah. and it's funny because when I went to go see Black Klansman, they showed the trailers to those movies back to back. Oh, so, I didn't see that one. Yeah, where the, the one where she comes home from prison. Is that what you're oh about? yeah, yeah, I, I remember that the, trailer. The, yeah, I've seen uh, that. The Tyler Perry movie. She comes yeah. home from prison. And is it a comedy? It seems like one, and and like yeah. she, her sister, her sister is like she's about to become a vice president of a company that's never had a black female VP oh, before. I've seen that trailer. Yeah, and yeah. then, but she's dating this guy that she's never seen. It's like this online relationship. So Tiffany Haddish goes into investigating to see if she's being catfished or not. I feel like I've seen that. And Whoopi Goldberg's their mother. Yeah. So yep. is Tyler Perry directing or is he just producing? He wrote, produced, and directed that. Fuck. And it's called... Sad. Damn. <laughs> damn. God damn, bro. Yeah. But I, it, I, no, because yeah. that actually sounds like very silly but interesting. Right. And then like now that I'm hearing that it's him, I just it's going to suck. Yeah, I feel you. But it's just funny because uh, when you brought up Fat Joe in that, in that yeah. night school shit, he's like, <laughs> he stabs the dude and he's like, continue on with the Pythagorean... Ethereum. <laughs> so that's the, it's funny, but it's so hood to me, bro. That, I'm looking yeah. forward to him one season two. She gotta have it. Yeah, Winnie. I fuck yeah. with I fuck with Fat Joe. One one more movie I watch. I think I really love. I think it's probably gonna stay in my top three movies of the year. Is like Blind Spotting. Blind. Oh uh, yeah, you were talking about. Yeah, that. it has a uh, Davy Diggs and Raphael Casal. Nice. They're both like from Oakland, and Raphael's like a uh, spoken word artist. Mm-hmm. But he also works in film, and it's basically about Davi Diggs sees like a police shooting, mm-hmm. um, and he's like on probation, so he has like three days left on probation, and it's kind of just about their friendship, how David is kind of like trying to keep his head down, and like Rafael Casal's character is like this really hood dude from Oakland or whatever, nice, like kind of dealing with like gentrification of Oakland and all these elements, and it's probably like the most Oakland movie I ever saw, and. I was like extremely surprised because from the trailer, I didn't really want to watch the movie. Right. It looks like a yeah. version of like Hamilton, but in the hood. <laughs> I mean, there there is like a lot. Of, there's some spoken word scenes, which I mean, if you're not into spoken word, I am because that was kind of my background. But if you're not into it, you're probably so going to be So is it it's a good jarring. like slam though? Like where the spoken word like makes sense where it is and it's enjoyable and you know that that's what's happening. They don't try to make it seem like people are just giving you a fucking monologue for no reason. Mm. There, there are monologues, but they they work for me. Like at the, oh, so at the end, that. there's one that like I was like, this doesn't need to be here, and then they kind of win you over towards the ah. end of that. Um, and and there's also a thing of like I don't I don't know about you, but 
like me, my cousins, when I was young, we would just like start like saying rap lines, and it's just a thing you do when you're young. You're uh. you're a black kid, and you just like might spit a line, somebody finish it. They do stuff like that, like oh, just cool. two people that. hanging like out, like freestyling or whatnot. And that's how they put like a lot of lyrics into it. And I like I was really surprised just like how funny it was because it looked kind of whack from the trailer, mm. but um, it's it's actually like really good. Like it's more it's kind of like Friday, but if Friday had a message to it, and like <laughs> so it's like dope. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's better than dope. Oh, dope's pretty good. Dope's so. pretty good. Yeah, See, Oakland seems to be having a moment in film Yo, right now. Like mm-hmm. ever since it's like Fruitvale Station. Yeah, of course, Black you got Panther. Creed and Black Panther. You got. Creed didn't have nothing Sorry. to do with Oakland. Yeah, that what? first scene is like in Oakland. No, that was in Los Angeles. Oh, it was in Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like all these movies that it's like a it's almost like a, a her last hooray for Oakland because it's like being gentrified now. So it's right. like not going to be the same Fucking Oakland. Permit, Patty. Yeah. Sorry permit, about that. Patty. Once again, <laughs> you didn't call it yeah, cops. You didn't call it cops. Man, no. Yeah. No, that's you know that's one thing. Here's the thing. This is why Black Klansmen ought to be. On the top of your list, Corey, mm-hmm. because this this showed us that white people can fight for the cause too. I'm sure. So you don't have to apologize for the assholes. Well, yeah, you can be part of the solution without being part of the problem. He can be an ally. Was Spike oh. like was taken up for white people? Dog, hard in this. He took in, no, not is, even in this. He's made like statements about allyship and what that should look like and how you should treat your allies. I'm right. Like, oh wow, look at you. Yeah, I, I, you know the per, the perspective of. Oh well, are we done with what we've seen before sure. I get before we deep dive? Oh yeah, I, I would just definitely recommend uh, Blind Spotting to everyone. Um, I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think it'll stay in my top three. Nice. I'm gonna check that out. You're usually not wrong about movies. Uh, yeah, try not to be. Yeah. <laughs> you're wrong about that fucking hat you're wearing. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. You keep bringing back the I know what you did last summer gear, and uh, and and and, and we in, we are in summer, but you're kind of pushing the theme a little too hard right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, so fun, fun story. Okay. Well, Corey and I, because we had planned to go see the movie together because uh, um, you were off stunt. Yeah. Doing ah, fly I'll shit. do a fly um, shit. And so we had planned to go see the movie together and we put it in the chat. And I thought, like, Martin had seen it the day before. So, like, me and Corey were sitting in this theater. And I see, like, this tall dude, like, with his hood on, just, like, walk, like, Martin, you walk very hard. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> but you were, like, trudging up the stairs, right? So then I was like, but you had your hood on and it was dark. And I was like, what the fuck is this with their hood on? And then like you got half up and I was like, I bet that's fucking Martin. And then like here you come around the car. I was like, it is Martin. Yeah. I was like, why do you have your hood on in the dark ass theater in the middle of the day? Yo, Martin, you give off a lot of serial killer vibes, <laughs> yeah. like, the, way you, the way you sit in the chairs, it's not soft. It's yeah. like you like slide into the chair and then like you could... You the popcorn's rustling. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, oh my! I watched you try to set your soda down for Mad Long because uh, you wouldn't take your eye times. off the screen. So look, like, <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't take his eye off the screen. So he like couldn't find the hole. <laughs> just here, like. <laughs> That's actually very hilarious. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Like, I didn't even say shit to you. I was watching. I was like, why the fuck is he struggling to put his soda down in the cup holder? That's funny. Yeah, I couldn't see it. I hurt you, man. Just know that. Martin, the only one in the group who actually. She goes to the concessions. Uh-oh. Yeah. We totally ate before. Yeah. yeah. I think it's brainwashing. We I sit there and twiddle to. our thumbs. He's out there with extra large popcorn. <laughs> mad popcorn. Did not ask if we wanted any, any right. either. Every time I like ask, nobody said. Nobody. Yeah, they he, said, like, he usually asked me. Yeah. And I'll be like, nah, I'm sure. I think I usually take a little, little scoop. I would have taken. I mean, like, yeah. I didn't feel bad that you didn't offer, but I was like, damn, Mark is like my popcorn. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> do this and get the refill too. What's up? <laughs> do you bring the old bags back to get the refill? 
Nah, because that you should get medium. You can't get refills with a medium. Oh, with a medium. Yeah. Oh, okay. You should just up it and cheat the system, bro. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> Buy one back, never have to pay for another one again. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to have the uh, the like plastic joint where you could just get popcorn every time you go. I never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like there's a plastic popcorn joint where it costs less money to like get popcorn. Oh, oh the tub. Yeah, the tub. Oh, yeah, They yeah, do that yeah, with yeah. that the cinema cafe. They have like a beer mug that you can fill up for Got cheap. you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember those. Um, yeah, but yeah. we took a field trip. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sad I missed it, guys. I, I really did want to. This is one I wanted to see with you guys, but um, I, I told Corey. Or so uh, let's jump into it, right? Black Klansman. Uh, the 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 newest and greatest from uh my favorite director Spike Lee, um and uh yeah man Corey do you want to give us a synopsis I can do that yeah let's do that um, oh so- he's ready today too mm-hmm. I love it Ron Stallworth an African American police officer from Colorado successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of a white surrogate who eventually becomes head of the local branch hey. So, um, man, listen, I, I wanted to see this film with you guys. Uh, I told Corey before we started this that I actually had to go see it twice. I saw it last night at 11 p.m. and I fell asleep for about 20 minutes of it. <laughs> Wait a minute, it started at 11? It started at 11. I would have fell asleep here, too. <laughs> we left here recording at like 9.40 so I because th- I thought we were going to be later than that. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, were you the only one in the theater? No, surprisingly, there was probably like ten people in the theater. And today, when I went, it was actually kind of job packed. I was like, mm. "Yo, people don't work no more." I went at like two o'clock. Mm. But people have been asking me that when I posted that you know it, it was coming soon, I put it on my Instagram and I put it on um, the KMC Instagram, and people were like, "Yo, is it good? Is it good? I want to see it, but I, is it good?" Right. So yeah, well, like true old nigga fashion, man. I fell asleep. 20 minutes for about 20 minutes and I and I just felt it in my bones. I was like this 20 minutes that I missed, maybe 30 minutes <laughs> was <laughs> was very I can't speak intelligently about this movie because of that 30 minutes and sure enough I was right. I was really right. It was a very it was uh, the part that I missed the first go around was um when he went to the clan meeting. Uh-huh. Um um uh, when uh, Ron Stallworth had to protect David Dukes and he went to the Klan meeting and juxtapositioned that. Oh, with... you missed it like when the shit got really good. Exactly. Oh, because wow. I, I, when I woke up, the bombing had happened. Oh, and wow. I you was like, it. no. You missed, you missed like, the, like the whole third act yeah. of the movie. Yeah, that's what I was, you I was like. You missed the movie, I, like the pacing got quicker. Exactly. I was like, dog, I can't believe this shit. So I went and so shout, so Spike, shout out to you. I went and purchased two tickets and had to uh, go back and see it today. And, and oh, man. I, how do y'all feel about it? I love this film. I, I enjoyed it. It is a slow burn. It's definitely a slow burn. I like it. It's a slow burn. I think that um, I enjoy Spike doing studio films now. Like, I think that that's the conclusion that I've come to. Yeah. Like, um, he's he, he killed it, though. Like, yeah. 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 Give him more money. He puts it in the proper places. That's for sure. What did you feel about this movie, Martin? I really liked it. I think I would love the film that he he would make if he kind of like cut out some of the stuff, like as far as like like the stuff he does with um she's got to have it where he like has the um the album titles and stuff. Mm-hmm. He does that with like Cleopatra Coffee and stuff in this movie. Right. Though just, there's just certain Spike Lee stuff that he does, and um, like Spike I would kind of yeah, yeah, I would kind of yeah. like the movie better if he like just made a straightforward adaptation. And kind of got a little bit less on the nose, but I still really, really liked the movie. Right. 
I'm I'm in the same boat. I really like the movie, and I'm not known for really liking Spike Lee's films, um, (laughs) but I did really like the film. Uh, I still have some issues, like Martin says, some of his isms I'm not the biggest fan of, but I felt like this was... That's his thing, though. It is his thing, and he is allowed to have his... His thing. His thing, right. Um, but you we, just don't like his thing that much. Uh, yeah, sometimes I don't. I and we've t- we, we spent three episodes talking about it. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, but this film felt like the more concise, like everything felt purposeful, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, so in the past, a lot of his stuff that he does, sometimes I go, I scratch my head. I'm like, well, what does that have to do with the film? And, and sometimes it's a message that is... You know, sometimes maybe it wasn't for me to catch, or you know, or and but I, I've met other people who don't catch him either. So right. uh, it, it felt like the most well put together film I've seen from him in a long time. Right. So and I, I really enjoyed it. See, so and, and I I know you liked Inside Man a lot, right? I did like Inside Man. Yeah. Inside Man mm-hmm. to me is like I liked my uh, Miracle Inside Man. Mm-hmm. When you talk about his more recent films, right? And I and I liked uh, Chirac. You liked Chirac? I, I did like Chirac mm-hmm. because I I had said in in the three part. Saga yeah. that I like him when he goes full abstract, mm. and that movie to me is extremely full abstract. abstract. Okay, and I, I like him when he stays not stays, but you know what I'm saying when he right. is committed he to being. To I it, really yeah. so I you know and I people have told me that movie sucked. Well, you know what? I enjoyed that movie a lot more than I thought I would, mm-hmm. but I, I, it still wasn't one of my favorites at at yeah. his at his collection. But so just to go back to what you said, Martin, like uh, you know, and we, and we talk about this a lot, and anytime we talk about Spike Lee. I think sometimes what the position that we have to take is that he he he's an artist, right? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think he thinks about things practically to to a certain degree and it's so practical that we don't understand it now but like 10 years from now we may understand it, right? And I think so I started seeing we started seeing that imaging. I mean, he's kind of been doing that imaging where he like does these macro close-ups or whatever the case is on like certain things to ingrain them in your brain. Yeah. I uh, but as far as like album covers or movie covers, you know, we started seeing it with She's Gotta Have It, yeah. and then we see it with this. I think, it, and, and He's I could it be- done before, s- though. He has? But he did it in a way where it wasn't so stark. So if you watch Crooklyn, he had all these things he wanted to show you on TV. Right. But instead of him like inserting it as a cutaway, he just had the kids watch TV. Right. See, okay, so boom. My theory behind why he's doing that now with like these albums and these, you know, these movie covers- um, and I could be way off base, but this is my justification for it, is because streaming is becoming a thing now. And with streaming, we lose the tangibility of like these covers, these these things that make the experience. So it's like this is like a like a a way to keep us attached to that material. Yeah. I, I mean, it's possible. And I you're mean, right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all always about like the preservation of black culture over, every, over everything, basically, even if it like comes to the detriment of like breaking the fourth wall or like um kind of getting you out of the story. Right. Like I I I don't I I understand 100% like why he's doing it, but I don't, I don't necessarily like agree with it. But I mean to some to some people like some kids like never going to watch coffee and going to have a great exactly. time watching coffee and watching like Cleopatra Jones. I think they're making a TV show or a movie with um I guess the girl who does Underground. She's making like a Cleopatra Jones project or nice. something like that. Is, is that the one that she's doing with um Jordan Peele. with Jordan Peele? I don't know if it's that if that's with Jordan Peele, but 
Okay. It might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, yo, Jordan Peele's making his rounds. Yeah. He is making his fucking rounds, and I'm loving all these collaborations so far, man. You know, yeah. I, I was listening to another podcast, forgive me, I don't remember which one it was, but they were talking about like young black Hollywood mm-hmm. and how it's not a competition, that they are talking to each other, that they are collective, and that they're pushing each other forward and moving right. the art and the culture forward. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it really they're is. like grabbing each other up. Really to put is. each other in position. Well, I, I think for him to, you know, I would imagine that he, I don't know if he sourced out Spike for this. You know, I saw Jason Blum. So it's, it looks like he has some sort of a first look deal with Blumhouse um, where they're willing to get behind all his content. But, you know, uh, Blumhouse was a producer was a producer on this. And then Monkey Paw, which is, I think, Jordan Peele's production. But I, I'd be curious to know, did he source Spike for this? Or is this like a story that was like Spike was already kind of had in his grasp and then like Jordan, I don't know, like the opportunity came from, did it come from Jordan or did it come from like Spike? You understand what I'm saying? Like He said it came from Jordan. It came from Jordan. Yeah. Spike's walked people in before and, and, and people, I mean, not unlike us who yeah. are, you know, just making things and, and trying and if he's taken a liking to it, he's walked in before. I've seen that because he, he, he's done that with other people. Right. So. But Jordan didn't need a walk-in. Jordan didn't need a walk-in, but I like the fact that like they came together on That's really dope. Like. Yeah. Well, if it came from Jordan Pill, see, to me, now we're starting to see uh, there's there's bigger than just he's a good director. Now it's like he's a good A&R. He's a good executive mm-hmm. almost. You know what I'm saying? Um, Where he, he knows what talent to put with what project to give it, you know, the proper fortification. You know what I'm saying? Like if you would have told me two years ago that I was going to be a fan of Jordan Peele, just like as a human being, mm-hmm. I would not have believed you. True. But like, it just goes to show like you don't know people for real. And like what you see at first is not necessarily the entire breadth of what a person has to offer and where their talents end. You know what Agreed. I mean? Agreed. Um, so it's okay. So there's a bunch of you guys liked it. Like I said, I loved it. Um, wh- wh- what do we feel like made this movie different from Spike's other films? Because to me, this had a it. It, it was the messaging was still there, and and obviously, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was still there. But to me, this was the first movie of Spike's that I've seen where people were really laughing out loud. Like there was a lot of comedic. There was a lot of comedy in this film. I always laugh at his movies. But I, it's not. This was like it was. The, the it was theater. the timing was like yeah. Right. This was like yo, like you, you know, everybody's laughing at mm-hmm. this. All the know? jokes hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the you know, and the one that sticks out right off the bat was uh, when when Stallworth was sitting down with it, uh, Sergeant uh, his sergeant. I forget his name. Sergeant something. Sorry, <laughs> Sergeant something. Um, sergeant Trappy, I think was his name. He was sitting down with him, and he was explaining how he had to meet with the with the clan. And he was like, yep, they want to meet with me this Friday. And he was like, well, I think it goes without saying that you shouldn't be at that meeting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like a really funny fucking moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing was good. It was very yeah. good. So to me, that's what made this one a little bit different than a, a, another Spike film is that um, the com- the humor was w- way more timely and way more universal. Mm. Um, did you guys feel that way? It was definitely funny. Um our theater had a lot of white people and they were really laughing hard, so. Right. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a different experience than what yeah. you get in a Spike film. Well, 
I mean, and the ones that I, I've seen, in I'd theaters. say the other ones that I've seen that are not necessarily meant to be funny but have comedy throughout. I think that um, even Miracle at St. Anna has some really good comedic timing, and then the same thing. I thought that Inside Man was extremely funny. It had its part. Oh yeah, for sure. But th- that that had that but probably had the diff- least amount was, of messaging, even though it had yeah. the messaging. But it was it it wasn't. I, I get what you're saying in yeah. terms of like social commentary. That wasn't at the forefront of the movie. Right. It was more about. You know what? What story are we telling? Are we ever long for a ride? Right. It's an epic adventure type situation. Right, right, right. So yeah, yeah. Um, did did was the humor kind of there for you guys? It too? was. It was. It was definitely a funny movie, and it was definitely appropriate to be funny. I mean, it was making at times making fun of the Ku Klux Klan, and, mm-hmm. and then obviously you're you're bringing up. You know, obviously, you shouldn't be at a Ku Klux Klan meeting, which is <laughs> funny, but not funny. I mean, if you were there, that wouldn't be funny. But, right. I mean, but. Um, I don't know because I'm with her. Like his movies have always been funny to me in some degree. They've always had moments of of humor. So I don't know. If I, it didn't stand out to me, but I did like it. I, I guess if I could say that. Hmm. You know? Interesting. I think this movie needed. So this movie took itself seriously, but not so seriously that it got on my nerves. Okay. And so I think like the levity from the comedy like did that for me. Gotcha. Well, um, it wasn't. It wasn't so. It was about something heavy, but it wasn't so heavy that I was just like, "Ugh," you know what I mean? You know, in a strange way, you know what it did for me. Mm-hmm. It 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 did kind of remind me that, like, you know, like even when you relate it to today, mm-hmm. um, there's serious things going on in the world, and we do make jokes, right? And we make jokes privately, we make jokes publicly, and some are inappropriate, mm-hmm. some are not inappropriate, you know. And to me, when I was watching that, it it did seem kind of like. Maybe this is how life really was, you know. That there, there are these. There's black people and white people. There's a really shitty situation going on, but there's just not much we can do about it right now. Mm. Well, think, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they they would tell jokes amongst each other. I think, you know what I mean? I and think, that's what people do today. Yeah, you know? I think that's so, like um, very realistic in the sense that you know uh, everything in the world goes on around you. Like there's a shooting, there's a bombing, but your life doesn't stop and you don't stop being mm-hmm. yourself and you don't stop experiencing humor right. everywhere because something bad's going on. And I also don't think that, I mean, and I could be totally wrong, but in the 50s and 60s, I don't think that everything was gloom and doom at every given moment, Mm-mm. you know, between white people and black people. Right. You know, so obviously there are some very bad times, but I don't think every single moment was this dark and terrible moment. Right. So obviously you're going to have times when people laugh and tell jokes. So, I mean, maybe that's uh, what it was trying to do to have this slice of life, this slice, slice of reality. Right. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's just, hey, we need to have some humor in this very dark, <laughs> in right. dark subject matter. But, but know, it worked, though. Yeah. But on pa- yeah, it, it very much did. But on paper, if you read the synopsis on paper, which mm-hmm. you did, but yeah. um, <laughs> but ha- had this film not been made and this was like, a, this was like the, the log line for the film, you know, and all oh, you know, uh, 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 the first black police officer in Colorado Springs is going to infiltrate the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan. You don't think comedy, you know? You could, yeah, this you very don't. well could have been mm-hmm. a drama and still, or a thriller, and could have been what it was, mm-hmm. and still could have, you know, and still could have served its purpose. But, uh, but I, I, I do agree though. The interjecting it um, does give it a, just a different texture. It mm-hmm. made it more relatable to me. That, that was the word I was looking for. It's very yeah. palatable yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, very palatable. Like I think the genius of it, to me, the genius of it is like we we we're we're taking the Ku Klux Klan which is a subject that most people can agree is a fucking problem right this is a problem yes. that's a, that it's a problem and especially when he brings it full circle to like to present day 
this this is a problem, and you're either on the left side of this problem, or you're on the right side of this problem, and it's a clear line which way which one you side on. And I think just more people side on the left side of it than the right side of it, or the left side be, meaning this is stupid. You know, um, I'm sure there's a great deal of majority that feels like this is not stupid, but when you put it on, like they may feel like the morals and the values of what the Ku Klux Klan stands for is like, okay, I can I can ride the line on some of it, but this actual, I'm joining a hooded organization that does destructive terrorist things, you know, to, to minorities, I'm not going to do that. I may believe in some of these things, but I'm not going to do that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or am, I, am, I, am I reaching here? I don't think you're reaching. I think it, it in terms of how people identify you know, I can't answer that. I'm not white. I right. can't answer that. So, like, because I'm not white, like, I can't begin to wrap my head around experiencing this country in a way that would make me want to side with a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that that's something that's, like, uh, exclusive to white people. Just in this particular case, they're a white supremacy group. Right. Um but i i i don't i don't know i think i think people's beliefs are more nuanced than that and i think a lot of people find themselves saying oh well that's racist but then also like saying the same shit out of their mouth right <laughs> so, so that's what i'm saying the symbolism of the ku klux klan it gives you like a visual perspective of something to say i'm not fucking with that mm-hmm. right but like the belief or that in, you shouldn't yeah yeah that, that that you shouldn't fuck with it but so like if you strip that away i think it dilutes the lines a little bit and it makes it a little bit more of a tense experience in the theater but having that, and obviously this is the story, so it's not like he created it out of thin air. Mm-hmm. I just think this makes this is what makes it the perfect vehicle, is that it gives us visually something to say yes or no. And then you base your humor on that. Well, I think very interesting, there's like a very purposeful juxtaposition mm-hmm. of the Klan against like the Black Student Union. Right. And I could see it being possible that a white person would equate the two. Um, in the same way that I listen to people talk, right, and they equate the Black Panthers right. or Black Lives Matter with the Klan. And I'm like, how are you drawing that comparison? So, And I don't, I don't feel like um, Spike softened any of the messaging from Stokely Carmichael not or from or from like what the political movements were at the time, even in the ways that they parallel right. um, black activism right now. Mm-hmm. And so listening to those messages um, without any filters, I could see where they would be offensive to someone. But because I am a black person, I find myself identifying with that. Right. So I, it, it just, like I said, I have that, these paradigm that's very, shifts. That's a very good point, though. That's uh, that. But what I, you just said is very. I mean, very it's good very, point. very. Take very up valid. arms. Yeah. We're gonna have a revolution, mm-hmm. and like that. To me, I see that, and that doesn't mean like black people are gonna wage war on white people. It says we were prepared to defend ourselves, yeah, and that's not exactly. the same thing to me because you know we're Americans. As Americans, we have the right to take up arms and defend ourselves. Right. But to someone who views these organizations as inflammatory or terroristic. I could see how they. I could see. I could see how someone who is not black would right. look at that and equate them. That's a very good point because I am thinking of this through a black man's lens. Um, and, uh, but you know, I feel so. We're kind of jumping ahead, but I'm sorry. I, no, no, you're good <laughs> because we got to get to it at some point. So I, th- um, 
there's a lot of messaging, right? There, I, I have something in this outline that says, you know, what do we feel like are the central themes to this film? Mm-hmm. You know, um, he he very strategically used, well, not strategically, this was the saying of the time, all power to all, all the people, people, all the people, right? Like that's- Shout out to Fred Hampton. Right. So the, 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 that's important. You know, those specific words are very important because- That's what black people were saying. That's exactly. And that's not exclusionary by no means. Mm-hmm. That's not saying all the power to black people where white power is saying- you know what I'm saying? Like, well, Fred Hampton used to say, "White well, power to white people." Yeah, white power to white people. Black power, to, but but they're not using. You know, it, that's it, not what they mean. They mean that's only white not power. What they mean black power to to us is 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 sort of like a subtitle of it's it's the law. It's it's like a tagline from the log line, right? The log line is like, yo, all people should have, uh, you know, some sort of agency over their communities, over like you know their their freedom of choice and things of that nature. Um, Whereas like, and so, you know, when you say black power, it's kind of like an assumed extension of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so to me, he, he kind of made that very clear. And then the scene where he, the, which I'm glad I went back to see because I would have totally missed this, where they were, there was the clan meeting. And they and, were white power, white power. Yeah. Right. And watching Birth of a Nation and then in juxtaposition of, you know, the scene Harry with Belafonte. Harry Belafonte, um, which confused me at first because I didn't know if that was supposed to be meta. If he was explaining a situation that he was actually part of and this was we're supposed to be taken out of this moment of being in the film. And this is like a real history lesson. Um, but then I actually did some research and that was he was a character. Right? He was a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A character by the name of um, where's where did I put it here? character by the name of um jerome turner and he was speaking about an incident that happened to uh, a fellow named jesse washington mm-hmm. in waco texas uh so that was a true story that, I, I figured it was from the photos right so it's like you know the clan meeting is about you know how to antagonize and how to like forcefully sort of whisk their way into you know making sure that like they protect white America, white male America. Let's yeah. be specific oh, about yeah. that because misogyny was a huge. Th- and they, I feel like they showed a great juxtaposition there as well. And then the black power was more about like, yo, we're here for self-defense. So I think that like to sum that up, mm-hmm. two sentences, um, black power is about liberation, whereas white power is about domination. Mm. Bars. Yeah. I, sometimes Bars. I do that. I'll give you that. <laughs> You, do you have that, a publishing deal? That's me. That's me. That's yeah. not Nietzsche or nothing. Right, so, right. That's so, all I, But I think that people, when when because I, I hear white people ask those questions. Well, well, why can't we have white history month? Because you have it all the time. And, right. <laughs> and like, why can't we shout white power? Because it means something different when you say it. Right. Um. So it, we don't want to dominate you. But but that's, that's the takeaway. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, we have to do a better job of communicating too because our messages get... Um, our messages get lost, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not what we mean. I don't, I don't want to lord over white people. Right. Like I don't want that. I just want us to have the same, um, the same treatment under, you know, what our country says is equal protection under the law. Like right. that's all I want, and that that's all I ever hear preached, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know where the message gets muddied. Maybe I shouldn't take that onto myself. Well, I think the message gets muddied for because they don't see it in action. You understand what I'm saying? Like, they, like they hear it in theory. Whereas, like, m- like movies and pieces of art like this, they show you ex- exactly what that means. Um, you know, and not to say that every group and every philosophy doesn't have a branch of people that are completely radical, right? Um, but you know, 
in the overall context, you have to trust, you know, you as a white person going to see this film, you have to trust that Spike Lee is very versed with issues of the black community. Would you assume that, Corey, being yes. a white guy? Yes. Okay. So when he's showing you our, our truth, yeah. our truth, yeah. you have to believe that. Right? You should. You should believe but that. But I, I think I'm answering my own question, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not white. Right. But what I think may be happening is that when you hear white power, you view it through a lens of white supremacy. So you can only occupy your own headspace, and you know what that means when your community says it. Mm-hmm. So you can't wrap your head around viewing it through a lens other than your own. Right. I was going to add on to that, and that my limited amount of time near very naive white people I don't have a lot of white friends. We know. Um, uh, and that would be my my blanket statement. I, I meet a lot of naive white people mm-hmm. who don't have a lot of experience with people of color, mm-hmm. who do not have, I mean, I grew up with friend, people of color like my whole life. You know, my best friends are all non-white. And I meet white people that really have no clue. They think that like once, you know, the, the, Martin, the, the, the Civil Rights Act wasn't it that like everything was just peachy keen? Like right. there's really white people who believe that. So when and they're right, like they think. And I, I mean, I'm being very blanketed statements, so this is not for everybody. But they really think that like, well, we say white power and it's negative. When you say black power, it's it's negative too. It has to be negative right. because white power is a negative statement. Mm-hmm. And then, well, and and people think that like everything is peachy, everything is perfectly fine. So if you have Black History Month, we should have White History Month too. Right. You already have and it, it. And it's like, <laughs> but it's like everything is fine. Everything mm-hmm. is perfectly okay. So why do you get to be special? I and I think that's a, a trope of white people throughout centuries is that we don't want anybody to be fucking special. Right. So well, <laughs> other think, than ourselves, I think the misunderstanding is that we don't have, um, we don't all have equal airtime, and we don't have proportional airtime right and so i don't even i think black history month could go away like under the guise of like what uh, morgan freeman said once all of our accomplishments as american black white yellow brown once once all of those things are given equal airtime or proportional airtime or people's accomplishments are acknowledged proportional to what they've actually contributed then we don't need those things yeah. but as long as that's not happening we need them and and it and like me explaining that is just kind of like shoot you don't want to hear it like, right. you know yeah. what i'm saying and i've met i've met no. white people who just think it's like they they can't get past that it's like an extreme viewpoint that like black power black lives matter they just look at it as like they're it's this overwhelmingly extreme thing and I can't grasp why it's necessary. So, so real quick, just mm-hmm. to jump into it. I think that opening monologue with Alec Baldwin was extremely important mm-hmm. because because I have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so here's the thing: integration is a process, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what maybe that's part of what gets lost on people is like, oh, we all are equal now, so it shouldn't be a fucking problem. Mm-mm. It's like integration is a process. Yeah, you know, we have to fight for some of these things that are presumed. Um, that you guys just wake up and, and take it take for granted. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We have to fight for that. And that's the part that I think is hard to understand. You know, it's like, and, and, and rightfully so. Like, like, like I, I make this statement all the time. You know, I'm, I'm very naive when it comes to white culture, you know, in, a, in certain places. Mm-hmm. Like, I have my presumptions of white privilege and white culture, but 
No, you mean white culture like we put raisins in potato salad? Yeah. Or like, like <laughs> it's mean, okay to be naive. Privilege. It's okay. It's okay to privilege. be. I think it's. I think it's okay to be naive about cultural aspects. To, right. To some degree, but okay. If I you wouldn't. don't have, obs- yeah. you, if you don't, if you can't directly observe something, right? Yeah. Then you, then you are going to be ignorant about it. Right. And there, there are so. Uh, again, what was I listening to? I listened to all the podcasts, but someone made the statement. Someone in marketing about like. Black people are not dark-skinned white people. We have a culture, and, like, white people's culture in America is just American culture. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, white people have a culture, too. But, like, if I don't live that every day, like, it's not surprising to me that, like, I don't know a whole lot about Chinese people. Like, I have only exactly. a few Chinese friends. And so, like, our conversations are usually about, like, oh, what would you cook today? Oh, your kids are beautiful. Like, yeah. I'm not asking them about, like, the cultural significance of anything yeah. in their home. Like. Right. Within, you know, then they, there's ex- I have exposure to certain things through the media, through like Eddie Huang and Huang's world, and right. then also them having like fresh off, fresh off the boat. Like I'm learning about China, Chinese and Taiwanese things that are very normal in their home because I'm exposed to it, right? But if I don't have that direct observation, I don't know. Right? No, I know, know what, what I know about Indian people from movies. The, exactly, <laughs> and and the, you know what? And I'm I'm gonna you know make this point, and then we can move past this. But you're exactly right. I literally two days ago had a conversation with a musician by the name of Eric Lau. Who is Chinese born? A shout out to you, Eric Lau. Chinese born, um, currently lives in the UK. Hip hop fanatic, the hugest Jay Dilla fan you'll ever meet. You understand what I'm saying? And we had a conversation about, you know, we we always have deep conversations when we have these conversations. And he was really putting me on to a lot of the things that he deals with in Asian culture living in the UK. You know what I'm saying? It, how, how it's like we have a struggle, right? There's a mm-hmm. struggle. For him, the struggle is the struggle of absence. He's almost not even a factor. They experience that in America. Yeah, in America too. It's like you go into places and people just ignore you. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like you're you're, you're just not indoctrinated into the core history of or like it's slavery. That you're outside of the culture. Like or, it's something that I learned a few years back. Because shout out to HBO for recognizing everybody's cultural appreciation months. But like during Asian Heritage Month, like they have this thing, this thing that they put out called like East of Maine. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to people from different Asian backgrounds, even from the Caribbean, which was dope. Right. And they said like, <clears throat> that is very insulting for people to constantly ask you where you're from based on like your physical cues. Mm. I don't even experience that as a black person. Like right. people assume that I was born here. And so like, I'm very careful about how I ask Asian people those, those kinds of questions. Right. Like I won't say, where are you from? I say, where did you grow up? Because right. to me, that's less like saying like, Oh, you're not American. And that's the actual question I want to know. Like, are you from New Jersey? Like, where did you Got grow you. up? Yeah, like, yeah, that's what point. I want to know. Cause yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I, you know, from a lot of times I can tell, from from physical cues that a person is like East Asian or South Asian mm-hmm. but like it's more important to me where the person grew up than what they you know what I mean like right. where their family is from and when their family is from right and that right. and the answer to that question might be the Philippines yeah. like but that's that's what I really want to know right I, I get exactly what you're saying and and I think that I think that that is important I think what's important for me as a black man to say is that I do not understand white culture so there's going to be synapses and things that like I assume and then things that I know for sure because uh, I assume white privilege is, is a real thing and I assume it, it applies to every white every white male mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and 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 you know to some degree outside of marginality to every white female I assume I assume that they that the white privilege exists more than uh, and more in a 
positive favor than you know than the black experience or the black privilege. But that's just an assumption based upon what I, I I've observed, not knowing everything about you, right? Like I don't know everything about what you go through personally as a person. Mm-hmm. So that assumption is just blanketed over. So so it makes so I say all that to say it makes sense that like that you know white people wouldn't know yeah the nuance of what black America goes through. Yeah, I mean and and that kind of it was interesting when I kind of realized that I think a while ago, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I have some family who lives in a very very white part of the country. Mm-hmm. And they're not racist in any way, mm-hmm. but they're naive. Mm-hmm. They've had naive moments that I was like, no, that's not that's not even remotely true, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, you know, not understanding why, you know, I, I think we, they came down here and they were confused about public housing. Mm. And I was like, when they're like, well, why don't they just go get a job? Right. And I was like, well, they can, but they can't, but you know, and they're in that, that obviously is a, is a much deeper conversation. Right. But, and they weren't like, it wasn't a. It was just a lack of understanding. Well, then, just and because a person lives in public housing doesn't mean they don't work. I know. It does, yeah, I, right. I, I, I'm very aware. But they were very. They were just confused. They were confused. Like, the, like, like if this why is a problem, you, why, why don't you go yeah, to the answer? Yeah, this is a problem. Why don't? <laughs> why is there not an answer? Why are you poor? Like, why? Yeah. What? You know what I mean? And why are you all, uh, classically a bunch of poor people in one little area? Because right. where they're from, they, that doesn't exist. Right. And they've never seen it with their own eyes. And so I think a lot of white people can be naive, and, and even if you show it in the media, it's like they just—it just doesn't exist. It doesn't, right? Like, it doesn't exist. And, and then obviously, you only consume the media you want to consume. Mm-hmm. So, and I've—we've talked about that. We're like, you're, you know, quote unquote, white bread white people sometimes don't go see Spike Lee movies, right? Because they don't want to. Right. Well, <laughs> so, a lot of times they don't yeah. perceive that it's even for them. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, and 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 that's I think that's also a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But you know, and so I just think white people sometimes they they just it's this weird space of naiveness, but then you don't seek out answers and you don't seek to understand, and then you criticize when someone oh you criticize when someone finally has to say, "Wake up," you right. know. <laughs> so well, that, that's just that's you know what that's yeah. human nature. Yeah, you know it, what yeah. I mean. And it, and it's not but, it's not. But it seems like with white people, it can be such a it's such a, it's a problem. You're, it's that very you, much a problem. You know, it's okay if you don't understand white problems to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes if you really don't understand the plight of some people in this country, it's like it, you're just going to perpetuate it. Right. And potentially generationally, economically, and all those other things. Right. So, so what, I've, what I've experienced, and maybe we're way off subject though, but what I've experienced in, um, in those conversations is that a lot of times like white people perceive their experience as achievable by everyone yeah. and also that um, they've done something the right way. They've gotten somewhere the right way mm-hmm. and that we also need their approval to do whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I had someone tell me, well, you shouldn't call it Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, why do we need your approval? Why right. do you think that your opinion is more important than what we're actually doing? Like, mm-hmm. why do I need you? to, to right. buy into what I'm doing. I'm not asking for your buy-in yeah. and I don't need it. And my friend described that as being like very patriarchal. Like, don't tell me what I should do. You're not fucking helping. Shut the fuck up. But that's up. where it goes back to <laughs> so, like, I think a lot of white people think, well, if we can't, not patriarchal, if, if, if we can't, like, if we can't <laughs> do white power, white lives matter, you can't either. Like, I think that's what a lot of white people believe. But you do do mm. it. I know we well the ones that are that own no, their that's racism. Not even what I, that's not even I, what I mean. It's, yeah. it's not even it's not even like vocalizing it. It's kind of one of those things where you're reinforcing it. Yeah. Even though you're not like 
saluting Hitler and and screaming like I'm a white well, nationalist. Well, a lot of times it's like you're reinforcing the system because you see where things are disparate, but you're like, well, it make if I ew, if other people get what I have, I have to be uncomfortable and I'm not going to not be uncomfortable. Yeah. So white people don't like that. to be uncomfortable. Oh, I've no, learned that. That is a long my takeaway. <laughs> of all time oh, I've said that to you like, like that is my takeaway <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree financially uncomfortable specifically no uncomfortable period yeah like, but you know um, but I can't have the biggest gun that I want like yeah oh, oh I'm okay right, like, right, right, uh, right, right, you don't right, fucking right. need it like you can have a gun yeah this size no yeah. no I want to have all the guns right why cause I can <laughs> you know there's a book that I read um, uh, in college man called Ishmael uh, written by Daniel Quinn it really explained that pro- that it really explained that mindset, and they call it like lock and key, you mm. know, like uh, hoarding resources, and then basically putting them putting them putting them under a lock and key system of scarcity. And in order to have access to that, you have to, you know, they they they're able to regulate what goes in, what comes out, because you know. So anyway, that it was a book that just really gave me a different, uh, a, it gave me a good perspective of that mind state. Well, I I. My my friend talks about this and it's borderline racist, but he said the same thing that that's um that he feels like white people operate in survival mode and that there's in a in a, in a sense of scarcity all the time. Yeah. And so like it's not it's 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 this idea that things are not abundant when they clearly fucking are. When they are, clearly right? are, yeah. Um, and that if you're getting something, something's being taken it's, from you. Right. Me. Well, that, that's and that's just so, not fucking true. So, all right. So, going into the the central themes, the intended central themes, in my from my opinion of what this film, um, Black Klansman speaks on, integration, mm-hmm. right, misogyny. Yeah. I think they painted a very clear picture of what how white people feel about women. And, oh, how, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 what role black women play you mm-hmm. know uh you know the revolution you know what they play in the revolution um white power versus black power mm-hmm. and then white supremacy in retrospect to like a supreme government mm-hmm. you know um those were the four that really stood out to me those are the intended themes he actually to me hit on one unintended theme um uh which is not really related in the film it's just in the construction of the film but nepotism um, I think it's really cool that he was able to hire Denzel Washington's son, who he has worked with before. And then there was uh, 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 the scene in the in, in the movie when uh, he took her, when Ron Stallworth took Patrice out for the drink and they were dancing. Satchel, uh, Satchel Lee, who is Spike Lee's daughter, was in that scene. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me was like, see, this is something that nepotism is, is going is, to, it's a new thing to black people. Right. Like being able to provide jobs and provide opportunities uh, within, you know, multiple generations. So that was an unattended theme. I always I always got the impression that a lot of times we don't think that it's okay for us to support each other in that way. Do I think that it's not okay? Probably not. However, other people do it and they're getting ahead. So why the fuck shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> so, you know what? We, I think, I, okay, I'm speaking for me. I look at, I used to look at nepotism as a bad thing because it implied that like you only getting something because your parents did something. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't work for it. Anything that I get, I have it's to fucking of who work you for. You know, and not your merit. I'm, right. I, I, without saying too much, I have worked for a company that. Is very heavy in nepotism, and unfortunately, it's like you can't get new ideas in, and people are very ignorant about like how things could work better. Right. Just because instead of hiring the best talent, they're hiring who they they're fucking hiring. know. Exactly. <laughs> Which, so well, in that regard is why I think it's bad. I don't think it's the best practice. Right. But on the other side of that, 
those people have successful families. Yeah. They have upward mobility. And so am Period. I going to deny black people that? Hell no, no. no. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Not in and of itself. In, no. in, in, yeah, in and of itself, it's not. You know, obviously for this company, it's it's probably hurting their bottom line or their potential growth. But listen, if I bought, and if I bought this car and it's paid off and I want to let my 16-year-old daughter fucking drive that shit, what I could do it. It's my fucking car, yeah. you know, and I think that's pretty much nepotism in a box. I, it's my shit. I'll do whatever the fuck I want to with it, and I'll let whoever I want to borrow it, use it, rent it, own it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I know I used to look at it as a bad thing because nothing was ever handed to me in that fashion. So mm. so because I'll, you didn't have access to it. Yeah. So nepotism was always kind of like was like man, fuck that shit. Because I had no, no access to it. No one in your family was in a position to, to put you in position. Yeah. Now, my mother worked her ass off to for me to be able to, you know, follow my dreams in a lot of ways, you know, but that's a little bit different than nepotism. You know, I, I still had to find my own way. She just gave me, she paved she paved the way and I had to figure out left to right on my own, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so she, shout she, out to my she mom. She created shoulders for you to stand on. There you go. Um, so, but so those were my, those were my, uh, the themes that I caught in this film. Did anybody else catch anything? That we need to speak on. I mean, there was there was clearly some messaging about I think Walter versus Felix was like the juxtaposition of the two of them and how they sought to and I think we experienced this in the black community too, but um, how they sought to bring about change, mm-hmm. how they had two different approaches to their goal, mm-hmm. and how ultimately Walter slash David Duke's approach is more effective. Um, it's kind of like we don't need to announce who we are. We just need to get in the room to make the decisions. And and so like I, I, I got the impression because obviously I wasn't alive that you know the David Duke era era of the KKK was about let's take the government back. Right. We don't have to necessarily like you know scare people and, and lynch people. What we can do is we can seize power this way, and this is how we're going to do it. And obviously, there was a very on the nose message about our president, our president, and for how sure. he ended Full up circle. where he was, yeah, um, where and, he is. <laughs> so, so all things taken away, stripped away. To me, that's a genius approach. You know, I'd never heard of the term uh, invisible empire. I'd never heard of that term. But the thing is, nobody believes it when you tell people um, who are not black, mm-hmm. maybe not a person of color. Um, people of non-color. I'm mm. gonna start calling white people that. But um, we have color. I'm peach. <laughs> because Crayola told you you were. It's the only crayon that would look like me. You're apricot. You got two crayons. So <laughs> that's funny. I had six. But um, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, so I'd say like we could say okay when you say like in these conversations, right? Okay. Let's say like I'm a I'm a police reform person i'm an activist and i tell you there are members of the kkk all throughout police forces right, right. and we say that and people are like no it can't be it can't be right they vet those people yeah, yeah, yeah. there are literally people who are white supremacists everywhere they're just right. not fucking wearing it on their sleeve right well the, you know that's a symptom of i think human laziness i mean there's a point in time where i you know i i i you know, and I still do it. Put tape over knee, over top of like cameras, mm-hmm. right? You got people like Corey is like, oh, I, you're I've, fucking. I've 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 changed. Oh yeah, I know. Snow to nap, I, I've, I've changed. <laughs> you had to fall into. I it, remember, but. I remember giving you shit about that, but I have. I'm not gonna lie. There is a piece of gaff tape on my laptop. Yeah, now. because because now you get it. Well, you know why? It's because <laughs> because it was a <laughs> job related laptop. So I put oh, this right, right. right on top. But you know, <laughs> you know, the argument that I that 
I, I would always make is that like I mean yeah like mm-hmm. the government abuses power like it's you know absolute power corrupts absolutely and there you know what you think there's not counterintelligence that goes along with this access yeah. to technology like so you know and even if it's not it's my camera like it's not a big deal you know what I'm saying like it's 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 what I'm choosing to do. But getting getting people to understand, like we're into a different age of like conspiracy theorists and people, you know, they're able to see these documentaries like, uh, you know, uh, Zeitgeist and stuff like that. So they're able to buy into it a little bit more. But before all Netflix and YouTube and access to this kind of stuff, (laughs) you know, you had to read books like Behold the Pale Horse and nobody was doing that. And, And so the thought that like. Big Brother, that whole 1984 shit, and it's like the thought that like you know there's a superior government that you know can control and you know and and really just keep their thumb on you. It was just it was foreign to people. You know what I'm saying? So I say that to say that I think that's human nature. That you know people people like to the, they like to position. I guess um, they like to position power as to like. Accessible what, to everyone. <laughs> exce- well, not just accessible to everyone, but like as this fair mediator, like like it's not like there's a there's a divine structure over top of government that keeps things fair, and it's like no, they're people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like uh, above that person is nothing else. Or that the founding fathers like knew the best thing for us. Yeah, fucking two hundred years later. <laughs> you no, know, they didn't even have fucking cable TV. But they, they were clearly <laughs> racist and rapists you know? and like and all of that and wore wigs, bro. Like and makeup and all this other shit. So but <laughs> right, it's like, but, this is but weird. God forbid, as a boy, you should do that now. Pantyhose and wigs and makeup. Yeah. So it's it's just weird to me that like we put that kind of authority over power that like it's not run like things and power are not run by human beings. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like Martin, you've been kind of quiet over there, man. And I, I really yeah, want to get your take on a lot of this stuff. Oh uh, no, it's fine. I just wait until we were talking about the movie again. We are talking about the movie. Okay. So just to kind of bring that around, um, um, let's talk about integration, the integration theme of this film. Um, uh, you know, the opening monologue with Alec Baldwin. So here's my question. Yes, yes. Do you think that those were bloopers and they just kept them? So, yo. I don't think. No, I don't it, so. no when, like, in, as a person who's acted, like, when I would run line, I would do that. Like, if I couldn't get it out the way, I'd be, bah, 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 bah. Right. Like, I would do that. So, like, I, I was, I, I couldn't, and then he asked that. for the line. He's like, what's the line? And then they gave him the line. See, I looked at it like he was preparing for like a public service announcement and that's what was happening. Right. I, I don't doubt that, yeah. but I'm curious too, if some of that was real. But yo, that's actually a very good point. And I don't put that past Spike I don't for it to be to that. Just, keep, just to keep it in there because it like maybe wasn't necessarily intended, but it just worked in but a way worked. that, you know, he... He just was like, "Oh, I'm gonna keep it." Right. Well, why would he intentionally make Alec Baldwin look stupid or like? I don't think he was trying yeah. to make Alec look stupid. Not at all. Yeah, I think I think it's. So this is why I thought it was like a public service announcement, right? And mm-hmm. like, and he was he in was preparation talking to white people, for it. yeah, yeah, because he was talking to white people. And 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 what we have to remember is that these speeches and these things that we see on television, I mean, you know, they're rehearsed, they're they're written, they're meticulous. Like they're very strategic about how they're presented. We see that with the different colors in the messaging. It gets red, it gets blue. It's, you know, the fact that we see imagery over top of him, Mm -hmm. like messages are very, they're very, um, 
purposeful they're purposeful i was gonna say manipulative but they're very purposeful (laughs) and i think that that's what that was kind of showing us is like a peek behind the curtain that like there's purpose to messaging there's purpose to you know some of the and then he and 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 even him as the messenger it wasn't even fully his own message like someone was feeding it to him yeah Yeah. and that that's what i interpreted it is that it's not really his message he's just he's got to say it Mm. you know that's a good take and i compared it to like the things that go on today like I think what I, what I liked about the film too is that I think it opened our eyes to that back then I think white people really didn't look at it as like this really bad thing. Still don't. I know I know they still don't, but I meant like, you know, like how today people think, you know, the rights rights for gays. They're like, no, you know, you don't need that. Right. I think they as nonchalantly as I said that, I think white people back in the 1560s said the same thing. Mm-hmm. You like know, they when just you say said, that to black people they get really mad. I I, <laughs> I know and I think that <laughs> No, I say it all the time, but I I think that, and that's justified. But what no, I No, 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 uh, no, no. I don't think it is. I'm saying the comparison that you're drawing when you say I know, to black I, people like, not, "Well, we're doing this to gay people." I'm not, like black I'm not, people get mad. That's not the comparison. What I'm making is the nonchalant attitude uh-huh. of white people. How they or or anybody who disagrees with whatever is trying to change. Mm. Yeah. So, and and I, I and that's what it did. It was like I, I interpreted Alec Baldwin as like I just have to say this because now it's like a thing now. Interesting. And our, I think our rights are being eroded. Yeah. Like there's been a change. I have to say it, and I kind of don't want to say it, but right. like I have to say it. Just like how there's probably somebody now who has to deal with whatever issues are changing in in anybody's types of lives now. Right. So that, that's how I interpret it. I, Very interesting. I draw the same parallel, though. I wasn't telling you not to make that comparison because I make the same comparison because I see the parallels. And I don't know that people don't necessarily want to deliver those messages when I see, you know, people who feel like their Christian values are being eroded. Mm-hmm. Well, they feel that way because Christian values are the standard in America. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we have to be inclusive of other people's values yeah. then means... What? There's an abundance of your access, but I'm giving something up because right. I'm no longer the standard that I have to consider somebody else's view. And when it comes to religion like that, we we as black people like don't like the comparison, right? To mm-hmm. say like, well, people didn't give a shit about our rights, so mm-hmm. it's okay to change. And, and so when you say, well, we're doing the same thing to gay people, they're like, oh, don't do that. It's not the same. They're mm-hmm. not enslaved. Like, that's not really, I mean, that's not what I was trying to point out. No, though. I know that's yeah, not yeah, what you're okay. trying to point out. I just want to make that clear. But, like, that's not what I was pointing out. I know, out. but yeah. I'm saying that that is still a thing mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff. Like yeah, even yeah. like any marginalized group, like I can I can tell you the countless ways that I've seen hotepery and black patriarchy and just going, hey, you're doing this thing to women that was done this. I'm like, no, 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 don't make that comparison. Right. So it's but but they can totally wrap their minds around what you just said, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is bad in this situation, and then totally do it to someone else. Yeah. So mm-hmm. because I've had those kinds of paradigm shifts, I'm like, maybe white people back in the '60s are not like these ominous figures that we see like floating in with like flush cheeks and pitchforks. I mean, obviously the tiki torches, but yeah. but like that's not most people. I mean, this right. is a whole nother argument, but I mean, I, I wonder because, you know, my, my grandparents grew up in that era mm-hmm. and, and you know, I don't believe they did that. But, you know, it's like, I don't believe that every white person was going around using the N-word either. But like, like today, like in this day and age, did any of us go to a protest recently? You know, so we didn't do anything. I have I have yeah. protested things in okay. my life. Yeah, you have in your life, but um, um but, but not so, recently. That, I know, no. and that's what I'm saying is like, was every white person evil? Right. No. Was every white person doing something about it? No. Yeah. And but neither are we though. We're not. All- I don't know about that. I mean, well, even even 
to the to the extent of like being complicit by not expressing your disdain or your opposition. Mm-hmm. But we are. I mean, that's that is mm-hmm. quiet. Mm-hmm. Complicity. Well, see, so that so this is why I agree with what Corey is saying mm-hmm. because we all use cell phones. Mm-hmm. We all know that. There is some form of child slavery that is happening and some form of enslavement that is happening. We're completely complicit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we do not give a fuck. It just means that, No, it like, does. It means that we value this thing and the convenience that. and what result it, it, it brings over go. someone else's humanity. So and I think that's the same comparison that Corey's making. Is that I like, don't disagree with him either. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go back in time and see, like, did white people just Go, hey. I would not love that. Yeah. I, know, yeah, I, know. I would not love that at all. I, know, I, know. I, know. But I would love to know, like, where you I don't time think that, that at go that forward. time, yeah, just yeah. like right now, that when people are being overtly racist and yeah. they're not speaking out, and, you know, someone is not yeah, speaking yeah. out against it, I don't think they think of themselves as contributing to that, or mm-hmm. even if they like, yeah, I kind of agree with that a little bit, but it's not racist. Like they yeah. don't, they don't think but of I mean, themselves as hateful. Right. Those people didn't think of themselves as hateful. Yeah, but I just, I'd love to meet the, the like the the white person who wasn't racist, who's like, I'm not racist. So there's just nothing I can do about everything. Have you right ever now. asked your grandparents? No, you probably maybe should. Maybe I should. That's an interesting I, conversation it's a, it's, to have because they like, were what there. What did you do when you saw racism? How did it make you feel? Yeah. Did you? Uh, I would ask, like to believe that there yeah. there's not a racist bone in their body, but listen, ask yeah. them very plainly. Have you ever used the word nigger? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like and 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 I say that not for any shock value, yeah. but like let's just get straight to the point. Yeah. Like like you know, I have these conversations with my grandparents all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, you know, my grandmother, man, she really broke it down. Why, like, I you know, I asked her about segregation. I was like, yeah, like talk to my mom about that, right? But my grandmother, <laughs> you know, really lived it. My grand, you know, my mom, my was, mom did too. To some degree, my mom did, but like my grandmother was like half of her life was that, half of her life was not that. You know what I'm saying? Sort of. She's not that she, old. She lived in t- through adulthood. She is that what you're yes. saying? Okay. Yes, yeah, she experienced it through adulthood. And, you know, the more I read, like, Garvey and, you know, I just read a lot of things that, like, kind of point to, oh, well, you know, segregation wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but maybe. It was maybe, the inequality. That's what Malcolm said. Right. <laughs> so, like, so I, I'll ask her, you know, I asked her a question one time. I was like, you know, how do you really feel about segregation and, like, and you know, and, 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 and integration and things? And she was like, listen now is so much better than what it was. She was like, you know, when I used to have to travel from here to, you know, from such and such to such and such, like, you know, imagine being in a town and I cannot use a fucking bathroom. Like, I have to hold my pee for 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get to a safe part of town for me to just actually use the bathroom. bathroom. And that's something that I take for granted. Yo, literally, I was driving back from Ohio uh, two weeks, two, three weeks ago. Dog, I had to piss so bad when I was on West Virginia. Uh, I was on 64 in West Virginia. I had to piss so bad, dog. It got to the point I just pulled over and pissed right outside. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't even wait for a restroom. But you're male and you can do that. So think about what that was like for her. Exactly. But that's what I'm kind of trying to say is that, like, that's that's kind of exactly the point that I'm Mm -hmm. making is that, like, I was able to just jump out and take a piss. I'm taking that for granted. That like one, I'm a male. Two, I can just jump out anywhere and take a. Plenty of white people drove past me, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She had to hold that, find a bathroom, and uh, you know that she was, uh, she had the agency to actually go into. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw a piece of that on Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. That's exactly where my mind went. Yeah, and it's and it's like you know we make these things like oh we make these statements like nothing has changed, nothing has changed. No, I told my grandmother a lot has changed. Now, do do we still have a lot to go? Absolutely, but 
you know, from where things were when she was my age and where things are now, her persp- I'm just saying that's her perspective. I'm not saying that I, that's the world's perspective. I think that that is very fair from her perspective in terms of things that were affecting her specifically to that degree on a daily basis and the difference in her life. I can't tell someone with lived experiences that their lived experiences are invalid. What my observation is, is that people think that because those things no longer exist, that there's no more work to do. Oh, and yeah, in terms well, of that's, like, that's dumb have we that. made progress? Yes, but in terms of like how much progress we are capable of to bring everyone into the fold where our culture is all of ours mm-hmm. as, as American, mm-hmm. where we all um, have agency, where we all um, you know are, are able to make sure that everyone's okay and it's not a particular group dictating to everyone else, like this is a standard and you need to rise to meet it, not that I need to be inclusive of your perspective as part of the community, right? Mm-hmm. For us to get there, I think that we made some progress, but I think that we overestimate how much progress we've made. So it's not that I'm I'm trying to invalidate that the quality of life for black people um, and people of color in general has improved over the last 50 years. It obviously has. Mm-hmm. And and to think about it in terms of what you're saying your grandmother experienced, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, I can talk to someone like my mother and, and my father, right? Mm-hmm. And how they were experiencing, like, the civil rights movement. Um, My mom was just kind of like, eh, it was life. And the crazy thing is, I used to, I'd talk to her about, like, the move tragedy in Philly, right? Mm -hmm. And she was like, "Eh, that's just what white people were like, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, mom, it was 1986. Right. It's not Uh, 50s. I was born. (laughs) Like, I was alive, right? And she's like, eh. And so that was, like, very jarring to me. Mm Mm-hmm. That she just was like passive about. But I find myself with all of the police shootings, like in all the high school shootings and all the mass shootings, like getting to that point that I'm like, now is Mariah going to be looking at me like, mom, what did you think? Right. And I'm like, niggas get shot every day, B. So (laughs) so here's, I think here's what is important. And I, I think it's important not to put an implied quantity differentiation mm-hmm. so for even for you to say we are overestimating i don't think i don't i think that's less I'm, of the i'm point talking about than, my experience right okay. so I, i'm not going to say what what it is for you and the reason that i say that is because like my level of optimism about race relations mm-hmm. for me as a child as a preteen as a young adult mm-hmm. way different than they are now and me and, right. and it's how much we have access to like media like i have it in my hand yeah. whatever's happening in the world it's in my hand it's in your hand right. i didn't have that before so like that is what I, where i'm getting with that okay. but to bring it back to the movie mm-hmm. i think like because Corey asked me that very opening scene of like this is the end of the civil war there's all these dead white people right mm-hmm. and like he was like what was the point of that scene and i was like i think it's to show you like the clan from inception all the way up right. to what oh, it looks like sure. now. Because the end of the movie is then like then yeah, obviously the showing day. you what happened in Charlottesville and what right. the Clan is has capable, mutated into. Does, does it mean uh, when the Clan officially got started? 1865. 1865, yeah, right after the Civil War. Okay. Is that, that was right after the Civil War, I was War, curious. Right? I don't yeah. know. So. Yeah, the NRA and the Ku Klux Klan pretty much started around the same time, which to me is telling in itself. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I thought that, um, that was, because I think that's gone with the wind, right? I think that's what that shot was with the woman and like all the bodies on the ground. 
Oh, that was from Gone with the Wind? Yeah, I've never I think seen so. Gone. I've never so seen was, Gone with so the Wind, a, and it was colorized, so I wouldn't yeah. have Yeah, so it was a that. recreation of Gone with the Wind, is that what you're saying? I think so. I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was Gone with the Wind. Oh, no, you might be you might be putting us on to something. Well, I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure. But I think <laughs> I think it was like Spike kind of referencing you have to pay to clear that. Well he, he cleared uh, Birth of a Nation, like yeah. yeah, that's probably not as hard. But yeah. Well, yeah. is it public domain now? No. Uh, birth of a Nation? Oh, Birth of a Nation. I oh, probably, <laughs> yeah. Birth of a Nation, I mean, probably, w- yeah. When was Gone with the Wind? That was the 20s? Nah, it wasn't the 20s. It had to be it's Like the 50s, the 30s, I would think. 40s, nope. I would think. Gone with the Wind was, I would say the 40s. Yeah. Gone you know what we're asking with, Google yeah, questions. Yeah. Gone with the Alexa, Wind. Alexa, when was Gone with the Wind? 39. <laughs> that's a oh, new thing now with Alexa. Right. Yeah, 1939. 1939. Um, but but um, yeah yeah. I mean, I think um, just going back to that opening dialogue that, that to me or that opening monologue that was, it's you know obviously it set the tone right. It set the tone, and and I do agree with you. I think what we what we witness in this film is the and to some degree, um, uh, you know, a fast forward bullet point to what the clan how it started and where it's at. You know. I, and I don't version. know that Spike intended what I just said, though. I don't know that his intention was. I think so. I well, think... well, well, to say like Ron did that and we infiltrated this and we did this and we saved these people and they bombed it and we caught them. Right. Right. But what did it mean? What did it change? We're going to pause the conversation right here and we're going to pick back up on the Black Klansman episode part two. Stay tuned. This has been an On Ear Network production.